bias, privilege, diversity. Topics we'll be covering today as we speak with Lawana Harris, author of Diversity Beyond Lip Service, coming up next on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Luana Harris, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So glad that you're with us. You're the author of uh, Diversity Beyond Lip Service, a coaching guide for challenging bias. And now more than ever, this seems to be the time to really focus on diversity, really focus on inclusivity. What brought you to this topic so much that you decided to put pen to paper and write this book? Great question. And you know, it's, it's, this is my life. And my lived experience has always been in trying to help others and serve others. So a part of this is I feel that it's what I'm called to do, to really help create workplaces and leaders that are inclusive and that create that space where everyone can bring their authentic selves and do their best work. So Throughout my career, I found that there were opportunities for greater commitment, and I began to do some research and through the times that I opportunities that I had to coach and mentor and even as a business leader, I just took all of those experience and said, you know, why don't we really look at how do we bring something at the intersection of leadership development, coaching, and diversity and inclusion? And then I wrote the book and um, have been just haven't looked back from there. Yeah. And I, you know, I read into into, into the titles from time to time and, and it is kind of a, it, it's right in your face when you say beyond lip service. So that to me, I, I'm going to infer that some people think they're doing the right job, but they're not actually rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. So what, when you say beyond lip service, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, when you think about it, a lot of times as it relates to diversity and inclusion, you don't really find a lot of people who say they don't believe in it at all. However, sometimes when you hear even declarations from organizations that say we stand in solidarity with or we are a proponent of, but then when you talk to individuals and you even look at some of the corporate metrics, you may not see the impact line up with what they are saying their intentions are. So the lip service, it doesn't mean that someone doesn't care. It's just that that level of commitment is not shown in the corresponding action to actually make things come to bear relative to inclusivity and building a culture where everyone belongs. 
you know, at, at the Ken Blanchard companies, you know, we, we believe that, that the great leaders are trained. They're not just born. And, and so I will kind of pose a kind of a difficult question with you to you is to say, you know, is this, is, is this something that you can train people? Can you train people to, and to be very frank, uh, undo um, a lifetime of, of their bias, undo of things that could be unconscious to them? How do you, how do you take the first step to, to uh, making the change that needs to be done? And when you think about the behavior and the, what's needed to truly be inclusive, to truly embrace difference, to value diversity, all of those things is behaviors. And at the end of the day, how do we train and teach and coach any behavior? And so we take some of those principles and we apply them to this space. And that's what I'm really excited about because diversity beyond lip service, I also introduce inclusion coaching because we all know that coaching really helps to drive behaviors. And we also focus on building habits. So it's a lot about learning and then it's equally important to unlearn and the unlearning takes place relative to bias. And sometimes because we have bias and we may have unconscious bias, so we may unwittingly do some things that alienate or discriminate against others. We talk about proactively making conscious choices, building behaviors, establishing habits that mitigate that bias. So yes, it's absolutely something that we can develop over time, the same as we would for anything else that's important to us. You do so much coaching. You're out there talking on this subject so much around diversity. And when you're talking with those executives, because you're, you're helping organizations make these changes, when you talk to them, you know, where, do you, where does that conversation take you? Is, is that, is that, is, is, you know, that's got to be a tough conversation, but obviously if they're, if they're willing to, to be coached in this, then um, they're, they're open to it. So just from the executive standpoint, for the people you coach, how do you start this conversation, this self-journey of just being better and be more aware. Yeah. You know, I, they start the conversation because as the coach, you know, my ability to help and support is to be there to help guide them through their agenda. So when an executive is ready for coaching, asking for coaching, and very specifically wanting to focus in an area related to diversity and inclusion, then it's all about what they want. Where are they in their inclusion journey? What would they like to see within their organization? So my assistance and my support is just to ask questions and to be curious relative to what they say they want to accomplish or, or areas they want to explore, and then just help them to go deeper and deeper into themselves so that they can discover a path forward that they deem appropriate. Simple question, but I think it's an interesting, it'll be an interesting answer for our listeners. How do you define diversity? It's the full spectrum for me, full spectrum of human difference. And it's while we talk about diversity relative to some of the common things that people think about race and gender and different abilities, sexual orientation, there's also many other aspects of diversity, such as 
when we think about cultural elements, when we think about your position and your role, your status in society, where you are in the world. So there's many, many different aspects of diversity. And that's why I like to stick with the simple definition of the spec- full spectrum of human differences. So I'm going to, I like to say mechanize kind of the, the, the book and kind of get into, give people just enough information to be dangerous so they can go out and do some good and make <laughs> some change. But I'm going to pose one last question just about where we are at, at the time of this recording here in, in 2020. Why do you feel like diversity, inclusion, um, you know, being more open um, and connected. Why is, is now such an important time? It's always been an important time, but why now is it so much more important with what, everything going on in the world? Yeah, you know, it's, it's always been important, right? So it's always important for people to be treated fairly with dignity and respect and to be able to be their best selves authentically. And a big part of what's happening right now is an awareness And with this awareness comes responsibility. So there's a quote that I've been using and and we've talked about many times relative to some people are having this epiphany Mm. right now Mm. because they're, they're coming alive to understand some of the issues around systemic racism, around some of the broader issues that are happening in the world. So there is this there's call to action that's happening. And the good thing about that is now that we're having these conversations, we have this collective experience around some of the things that are happening, then it's a great time within organizations to galvanize the workforce and look at how do we build within our sphere of influence, within their respective organizations, how do we build a culture that truly does create that belonging psychological safety, and the ability for folks to bring all of their unique contributions to the table. So this is, um, this is such an interesting topic to me. This is such a, a timely topic. Um, and, and so when I think about the questions, I always think about the questions in terms of the listeners, right? And, and what will help them as they take this great research and, and move forward. And so um, as a 40 something year old white male, um, you know, my questions are going to be different than somebody who is, is, is a minority, um, is, is a, is a 24 year old black female, you know? And so this is, so I I will preface these questions to say that I have those, you know, I have my own bias. I have my own, my own viewpoint, but I want to make sure as we kind of walk through this, um, that, as we think about these questions, I'm probably going to be framing it through one, one frame. So you'll, you'll help me with that, hopefully through the process. Um, so I, I posed with this question to say, um, how does one get started? How does somebody um, who, who wants to be a leader of, 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 of men and women who wants to, uh, you know, be better in an organization, where can they start? If you were coaching them, how would you, you know, get them to understand um, and begin to make certain strides so they can bridge this gap and 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 uh, and just be better. Yeah, you know that's a great question, and and I've actually received that question probably in the last month or so. It is it is the most common question that I I mm. I've heard. And the thing is, um, I all I recommend the first place to start is to have a good old fashioned conversation with everyone's favorite uncle. <laughs> And that uncle for me is Uncle Google. Okay. Yeah. 
So because I think the place to start is self-education. And if we really care about anything, right, we go and we do some self-education about it. Even if we're going to purchase something or if we're thinking about relocating to a different city, whatever it is, we do research and, and we educate ourselves about making a decision or, or how we want to show up relative to, to that particular thing or scenario. And it's the same here. So if someone says, I want to engage, I want to be an inclusive leader, I, you know, maybe I haven't really engaged around these things much, but I want to be more involved. That's the place to start is to start with some self-education around some of the, the issues, around some of the points of view. And that self-education also includes self-awareness because to your point around your own experience, thoughts, we all have bias. And there's nothing wrong with having bias. It's our response to the bias is where it becomes problematic. So even taking the time to understand where bias shows up in our lives, what our filters are, all of those things are a part of that self-education. And then that self-education can lead to what I would say is number two, which is self-work. So when we're consciously aware of our own understanding about diversity and inclusion, our own bias and where we are, then we can start to do the self-work. And the self-work is where do I need to be aware of how I show up? When I when am I triggered relative to DNI? And maybe I'm not necessarily able to bring my best self or even to allow others to do that because of my own limiting beliefs associated with my bias or my triggers. So after the self-awareness and the education or self-education, then it's time to really engage others and learn from others. And then, of course, move into some meaningful action. Have you been brought into conversations at a, at a different pace recently, uh, more recently with everything going on here in 2020, where people have pulled you aside and asked worldview questions and, and asked thoughtful questions? Are you finding that more and more now? I would say, well, it depends. I have been getting, I have been getting requests, not necessarily questions, more of, can you come to our organization because we need help and we need help now. So what I would say has really significantly increased is the urgency. And I'll tell you, Full transparency. I've been pushing back on some of the urgency yeah. because what we need now is not a knee jerk reaction. Right. It's not about. And I mean, I go through this with if, if you've heard any of my recent talks, I go through this same uh, discussion in that what we need now is a long term commitment and a very intentional strategy about how we move forward and what steps we take, because it's very easy to slip into what's a term called performative allyship. And, and performative allyship is when things are done and acts of solidarity take place, but they're not necessarily attached to any type of long-term commitment or even any meaningful action, such as you would see countless organizations right now posting the Black Lives Matter hashtag or say their names right. or even Black Square for, for Blackout Tuesday. 
And all those things are done to be a demonstration of solidarity. And that's fine. It becomes problematic if that's, if that's where it ends. Because if that's all we do, and then this is no longer a, a trending topic, so to speak, then that's a disservice to everyone involved. So as to your question, yes, my phone hasn't stopped ringing and my inbox is a constant flow of requests, which is a good thing. However, I'm really pushing back relative to having intentionality and making sure that this is something that folks are invested in for the long haul. Yeah, and it's it's uh, there's there's two two couple things that I've I've gotten a few things I've gotten out of this conversation, but it's really the awareness, right, and understanding, um, understanding the actions that someone takes that, that that aren't right or 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 the decisions they make. But it's it's not just understanding that, um, but it's also making some changes. So if, if you're going to be a part of the solution, you've actually got to make some some wholesale changes in your world. Um, to, to be better. And, and you're right, not just, as you said, beyond lip service, not just say you're doing something, but actually do that. So let's, let's, let's dig into a couple of the, um, of the uh, other pieces of the book. You talk about uh, the problem of privilege. What do you mean by that? Yeah. The problem of privilege is something that, right, when you talk about the, you know, what has increased Current, folks are ready to talk about privilege. And usually it's like, no way. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Right. But, and now they're like, hey, do you have anything on privilege? Do you have anything that you can come to talk to our organization about power and privilege? And I'm like, I sure do. <laughs> and we're able to not only talk about it, we can actually help you um, across the spectrum of what to do about it. And the problem of privilege is, Folks tend to look at it as a very binary situation and folks tend to only focus on white male heterosexual privilege. And the reality is, yes, white male heterosexual privilege is the most common and dominant um, aspect and expression of privilege. However, everyone has a measure of privilege. And with that statement is usually where I see folks raise their eyebrows or they frown a little because they're trying to understand because the frame of privilege has been so focused on white male heterosexual privilege. And so here's the example. I am a black woman. I'm also able bodied. Well, most days. Hmm. And I speak English and I am a Christian. So when you think about me as a black woman, then someone says, oh, she's the minority, so she doesn't have privilege. Well, I, as I usually try to do, want folks to go deeper and understand because I speak English and I live in America, that's a place of privilege. Mm. So when decisions are being made, if I'm in an organization and decisions are being made around promotions, engagement, visibility, those kinds of things, and someone is not being, if someone's being marginalized, maybe they have a heavy accent or they're, you know, people perceive that their proficiency in English is not that good, then I can speak up for them. I can use my privilege as an English speaker to make room for them. The same thing for being able-bodied and the same thing for being a Christian because Christianity is the dominant religion in America. So I, I really ask every single person to assess your measure of privilege, whatever that measure is, and then take some time to reflect on how can I use my measure of power and privilege to 
provide greater access and opportunity for underrepresented people in my organization. And if everyone would just do that much, then that would really set us on the right path to go move forward. When you talk in the book about committing to courageous actions, and that's a part of kind of your coaching model, what do you mean by that, by committing to courageous actions? Hmm. Very specific answer there, because, you know, courageous actions can take the form of something as simple as you work on a project with a team. And after the project is completed, there is a celebratory email that's sent out to recognize all the team members. And there is one team member, let's say the team is made up of all white team members and one African-American team member. And the African-Americans team, uh, team member's name is not included in the celebratory email. That's an opportunity to act courageously and speak with the individual that sent the email and say, hey, just want to make sure you know you left out, you know, Sharon's name or Brad's name. That's that's one example. And then there's other examples relative to some systemic pieces. You could be in a situation where maybe you're in a human resources role and there's policy changes that are being made that may be discriminatory or even um, marginalize certain populations such as LGBTQ or those that um, have maybe veterans, other aspects of diversity. So that courageous action can take many, many forms. It's just a matter of being willing to speak up and stand up when the opportunity affords itself. We talked before about um, about awareness, and so the next part of your coaching model is about opening your eyes and your ears. And so um, there truly is one of the biggest issues around diversity. One of the biggest issues about uh, about bias is people are really good about ignoring things right in front of their face. So how does somebody do a better job of, 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 of practicing that awareness and, and, uh, and being a part of the solution? Yeah, well, you know, you think about, we think about Ken here, right? With common sense is not always common, common practice, practice. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it's just like what you said. It's, it's sometimes it is right in front of our face. But here's the thing, the sneaky thing about unconscious bias. And I love some of the neuroscience associated with all of this as well. When we think of, when we think of something like confirmation bias, Confirmation bias happens and it's so subtle that if I have a preconceived notion about a person and they could behave in a way that's very positive, they could have very good performance, they're very good working with their peers, all these positive things and they're factual. But because I have a, pre a preconceived notion about a person, then my mind can selectively minimize those positive factual pieces and amplify the least little thing that they do that I don't like. Right. So that's why when we talk about open your eyes and ears, 
it goes a little bit deeper than just, hey, look around, make sure you're being inclusive, make sure that you know everyone's being treated fairly. That's why we have to do that self-work because we can truly have some biases, some different ways of thinking and prejudice that is so deep and ingrained, we don't even realize when we're acting out of those types of triggers. So open your eyes and ears is about you consciously going back to those habits, asking yourself some questions. When you don't feel good about a person or a thing or a situation, stop and question that. Become curious and and try to figure out where is that coming from? And is it based on fact or could you possibly have some bias going on there? We're talking with Luana Harris, the author of Diversity Beyond Lip Service, a coaching guide for challenging bias. So we keep talking about uh, moving beyond lip service. You, you, you share in the book that sharing, parter, sharing power rather is harder, but also easier than you think. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, first, when you think about power and you think about what that means uh, within the workplace, when we say harder, is that initial reaction to, wait a minute, you mean if I have to share my power, that means I'm going to lose power. And that's the harder part. And that is a limiting belief that sharing power means I have to lose because that's not true. However, once we're able to use inclusion coaching as well as some other pieces to really help people through that and make that mindset shift because it's it's not only about building skills, we deal with the mindset, the skill set, and then the tool set to actually make it live. So with that mindset piece, once we get people past that part of concern that I have to lose power in order to share and to bring others in for building an environment of inclusion, then we're able to see, oh, okay, that's where the easy comes in. Because the easy comes in when folks realize that when I have people around the table who don't necessarily agree with everything I say, when we're able to have really constructive conversations and feedback, and we're even able to embrace controversy and some conflict, the outcomes and deliverables and innovation just skyrockets. So that's where the easy comes in. When when folks push past that fear and concern of losing power, And they realize by sharing power, being more open, bringing diverse voices and experiences around the table, it actually makes the work easier because we're able to do better and have better outcomes. Now, I found through this process, I found through with what, you know, this ongoing um, issue that that is very pervasive and, and, and the world can be very divisive. I think we can all agree to that without getting political. We have tried to very much avoid that on this podcast. Uh, but there, when you have these discussions, um, there can be conflict that, that, that comes up. There can be, you know, there, there can, it can be a controversial discussion, but what you, what you actually share is, is you can actually talk about this. And so how would one person, how would, how would you go about if you want to have this conversation? How can you talk about this at work? How can you talk about this in, in your, you know, in your professional lives in, in a way that uh, is, is beneficial to, to everybody? Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, There are a number of polarizing topics and folks are really shy 
to open up a, you know, we don't want to open up Pandora's box, so to speak. And so what's happening, and even right now, is that folks are having this conversation. And what we're hoping to do is to help equip leaders to have the conversation in a way that moves everyone forward in solidarity. And in order to do that, one is everyone, myself included, no one has all of this figured out. We're all learning. We are in a situation of a global pandemic on top of civil unrest, on top of economic downturn, and all all of these things happening at once. We're all in uncharted water. So that's number one. And then the, the next piece would be we need to create an environment where we are able to lean into curiosity. So when things don't make sense, when when we feel people don't make sense, we have an opportunity to consciously decide I'm going to become curious when I find myself in this in a situation that I don't understand. And it's pretty much impossible, and I say that in the book as well, it's pretty much impossible to be judgmental and curious at the same time. So we have the opportunity to choose. And then when we choose to be curious, then the next choice we can make is to extend grace. So if someone has not been having these conversations, guess what? They're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And 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 it may be a little clumsy and it may even be a little messy. But you know what? If we're vested in making our organization the best it can be, then let's take that chance and do it and and extend grace when we need to call each other. You know, I I make sure to also say we want to make sure when we address issues that may arise in some of these conversations that a best practice is to use the lens of calling people in versus calling people out. Because we're going to mess up no matter who we are. We all say things we shouldn't or really don't mean or we offend someone and we really didn't mean to. So when that happens, instead of having that antagonistic approach where we want to call people out, let's call them in. And the way we do that is to, yes, still address either the behavior, the comment or whatever. And then also say, here's what I want you to know about how this impacted me. And from there, build a path forward where you're walking together as opposed to having to call someone out and then you just stay on either side of your differences. Such great advice, such great advice. So as we we begin to wrap up the conversation, when you think about uh, knowing that there are going to be a lot of listeners to this podcast, what is the one thing that you want them to take away from our time today? The one thing I want everyone to take away from even this time that we find ourselves in on a more broad perspective is that there are no extra people. Every single person has inherent value and it's a huge disservice to ourselves to not mind for the greatness. And when I say mind, I mean like a gold miner. So it's, it's a huge loss to not mind for the greatness in others, to not help others become their best self, to not fully appreciate the beauty of all of the diversity in our human experience. So right now within our organizations, 
who has time or talent to leave on the table? So why not maximize all of your talent? So that's the one thing I would say. Make sure to appreciate all of the value, inherent value, as well as unique contributions in every single person because there's no extra people. I so appreciate that. Such profound words. Thank you so much. So Luana Harris, if people want to dig a little bit deeper into you, learn more about you, follow you, where would you send them? Sure. Um, first, I'd say my website, LawanaHarris.com. That's L-A-W-A-N-A Harris.com. Or I'm on LinkedIn and I'd love to connect. Well, I, I really appreciated connecting with you today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. What a fascinating interview, Chad, with Lawana Harris and her important book, Diversity Beyond Lip Service. The big picture for me is how do we as individuals and as organizational leaders walk our talk I don't think there are many people who don't think that we should have a more just and inclusive society. But the question is, how do we get there? People who feel marginalized by the color of their skin or their ethnic background are tired of the talk. They want action action beyond lip service. Luana was very clear. It starts by looking at yourself. What are your inherent biases? As a white male owner of a company, I'm considered part of the privilege class. So I began looking at my myself, even though I grew up in a very diverse uh, high school and, and school system in Nourishville, New York. What can I learn about my own biases? So I had some really interesting discussions with folks that I grew up with. Uh, I love Lawanda's concept of not calling people out, but calling people in. Uh, why is that important? As she said, the demand today is for real uh, action, for for courageous action and strategies beyond lip service. Uh, as Luana says, there are no extra uh, people. There are gems in every single human being. We need to open our eyes and our ears to them. Wow. Thanks, Luana. Uh, what a fabulous message. You've given me a cosmic goose, and I hope a lot of other people to do something about diversity beyond lip service. Good job, Chad. Thank you, Luana. God bless.